It's time, that's right, episode number 16 of the In Time Wrestling Podcast. We are back to do our usual coverage of NXT and AEW. Like, I, I can definitely say so far, like, yeah, AEW was like, eh. Yeah. Like, was eh. But, like, the first few shows of this week have been very, very lackluster. Yeah, they've, they've either been just, like, rough to get through, or just, just so subpar, just, like, not bottom of the barrel, because you don't want to be bottom of the barrel. We ain't, we, we aren't, we aren't in that level anymore yet, like, you're, they're, like, just skimming the fucking pond. It's, like, Monday I can understand. Like, when we get to that, I understand why there was some probably disconnect on the show, but then the show was just rough in its own right, like... Yeah. And then, like, the one we're gonna cover with NXT, like, that was a rough one. Like, it was just... It was... There was so much... Like, when I when I talk about NXT all the time, like, yes, I love 2.0. I do. Like, again, I like black and... I love black and gold... And I'll always like black and gold more than 2.0. But that doesn't mean I hate 2.0. It's yeah. not one of those things where it's like, well, why is it got to be 2.0? I can't stand 2.0. No, because I like 2.0. I do. But I still look at the show, and I still get now that the show feels like main roster to me. It feels like another main roster show where there's going to be illogical bullshit. There's going to be some shit that doesn't make sense. At all, like, mm -hmm. it, it's, like, we're gonna get into it, like, mainly, but to start off, again, we had the sad news of, of Scott Hall passing away. We heard all the news of him being on life support after complications with hip surgery, and he had three heart attacks, and then the next day, we heard that he was going to be taken off life support and then everyone was just like, oh my God, can he, can he just actually make it like, please? And of course he did not like right at the beginning of raw, nobody knew a fucking thing. And then all of a sudden the graphic came up and just, ugh, it was so just a, a punch in the face. It, uh, rest in peace to Scott Hall. Like, the only time we ever saw Scott, like, the first time I remember seeing Scott Hall was WCW. Yeah. Like, this, the little bit of WCW that I saw was where I knew Scott Hall, and then I saw him in the NWO with Hogan and Nash when they came to WWE, so it was like, I knew who Scott Hall was before I actually ventured back into the past and saw that he was Razor Ramon, so... Again, it, it sucks. It really fucking sucks. Like, he's not somebody I would expect that we were going to lose at all. Like, this, like, right around now. Yeah, it's it's a major blow 
Take everyone time. because even for people that that's not not us basically like people older like 30 40s mm-hmm. know Scott Hall for Razor Ramon and mm-hmm. fucking even before then even when he was yes. teaming with Kurt Henning mm-hmm. people know him for basically his entire career mm-hmm. so it's a gigantic blow to wrestling culture yeah. basically yeah big time so rest in peace to the bad guy yep you know, we don't, we're, you know, the, what's the, what's the saying he said? That bad, bad times don't last, but bad, but bad guys, guys do. do, and I love that saying. That is fucking amazing. So, we, we debated on what we were going to start with here. We might as well talk about the other thing. What? We might as well talk about Charmel. Yeah. So, it was announced via, thanks to Complex, I don't really know what the hell they're actually around, like, what the fuck they actually do. But they announced, thanks to them, WWE announced that Charmel is going into the Hall of Fame. Now, listen, if she has anything prior of wrestling in the past that I have zero fucking idea of what it is, I need to figure this out because I do not get Charmel going into the Hall of Fame at all. Yeah, if you... If you look back, if you look back in the history of women's Hall of Fame inductions or inductions, people do give them a lot of slack, or not slack, a lot of flack. I should yeah, say, not slack. Flack is the word. Yeah, they give them a lot of shit when it's someone who hasn't won like a championship before, like when Tori Wilson was inducted. Yeah. Everyone was giving WWE shit for inducting Tori Wilson. Mm-hmm. But if you compare inducting Tori Wilson into the Hall of Fame to inducting Charmel yeah. into the Hall of Fame, when you have people not in the Hall of Fame, like Victoria, or Jazz, mm-hmm. or Luna Vachon... I thought Victoria went in already. No. Oh. I thought she did the one year. I or Michelle swore, McCool. I could have swore she got inducted, and people are just completely forgetting it. Like, nope. I must have been in a fucking different timeline. Yeah, it, you're inducting Charmel, who her entire career was either a Nitro girl. I didn't even know that originally until somebody either, talked about that. She was either a Nitro girl or a manager for Booker T slash King Booker. That's all she did. In two different companies, too. Don't forget that. That's all she did. When you have people not inducted in the Hall of Fame, like Victoria, like fucking... Like Jazz. Jazz. Like Michelle McCool. Yeah. Mickey James. Especially Mickey. The fact that Mickey's not been inducted yet into yeah. any Hall of Fame says a lot. Stacy Keebler. Would you really say Stacy though? Yes. Like, really Stacy. She though? is literally... I know, she's been if, around for When you think though. of fucking Attitude Era fucking... Or not Attitude Era, like, Ruthless Aggression Era. And you think you think of Trish, you think of Lita. And then right below Trish and Lita, you think of Tori and Stacy. Mm. Those are total polar opposites of each other. They they are, kind of, but I, it's, it's... Listen, Charmel, I get it. She's been probably with... She's been with Booker for the longest time. We get it. But, like, I just, I don't see it. I don't see why. 
at all. It's just because we're in Texas. So like, oh, Booker's from Texas. Might as well induct his wife. That makes all the fucking sense. No, it doesn't really. It really doesn't. When I know a lot of people talk about, you know, that a lot of people's accolades aren't really that top-notch and they get inducted in the Hall of Fame, but, like, I don't look at Charmel and scream Hall of Famer. Yeah. There's people that haven't done a lot in wrestling, and I will look at them and say Hall of Famer. But Charmel, I do not look at her just by the stints that she had with Booker and go, yeah, that was a Hall of Fame run right there. You can even, you can even say Terry Runnels deserves a fucking Hall of Fame induction. Backstage interviewer, she did... Wrestle she on occasions. Yeah, she was with Goldust for the longest time. Like, they were actually married at fucking some point. Like, it's... I don't... I just don't see it. I do not see it. And that's the nicest way I can put it without me just snapping off at it like, What the hell is this bullshit? Why the hell would you adopt Charmel and all... Like, yeah. I, I don't get it. I do not understand the... The looking at Charmel and going, hey, she's a, that's Hall of Fame worthy. Like, it, I feel like it was a missed. It was a miss here with yeah. this one. As much as we think it's a fucking miss, congratulations to Charmel. In some that, way. That's, yeah. That's no really matter, all I can give no it. No matter how much we don't think it's fucking... I don't want to say that it's not worthy, but it feels so, like, left field... It is. But, I mean, look at the. I mean, look at the inductions so far, and then like, look at who got, and then look at Charmel, and then look at the two of them, and go, oh my god, why again? Like again, there were so many more deserving women. As much as everyone shits on the Hall of Fame, we get it. The Hall of Fame doesn't mean crap. We get it. Yeah. But again, it's a it's like a, a night of like remembrance and getting to give like some kind of recognition and honor to these guys. Like, other than just being a fan in the crowd and going yeah or boo, you know, it's you actually get to sit down and listen to some stories about them and they get inducted into a hall of fame and of some sort, you know, like just like uh all the rumored ones now like a, a lot of people are saying Sid is going to be inducted which is so so fucking deserving so deserving and so long deserved right now because if you think about it I look at who's inducted so far minus them and it's right now people associated with the Undertaker if you think about it because Vader had something to do with the Undertaker at some point Booker had something to do with Undertaker a lot of times, there was only the, the only like a few times where he was King Booker that he actually interacted with the Undertaker. But like other I, than that, like I he said really to, didn't. I said this to start when they announced Undertaker to induct in, induction in the Hall of Fame. I said it to start that this Hall of Fame should either be a solo induction or it should be all the people that Undertaker has beaten in the streak that haven't been inducted already. Yeah. I would accept it should have been Sid. It should have been Big Show. Should have been Vader. Should've, it should, still should well, be Vader. Vader. Vader wasn't in the streak, but, yeah, but still, you know, Vader should be in there. Vader should have been, should be still inducted. Yeah, like there's people in that list of the streak that need to be inducted, minus the nowadays people. Yeah, like, like Roman, not yet. 
you know, yeah, like, like Ray Wyatt. No, AJ, I can say, will be a Hall yeah. of Famer. If that man yeah, is not a Hall of Famer, at any point we have some issues here. Yeah, Houston, we have a problem. Like, anyway. So again, it's it's a bizarre one. I don't get the induction, but congrats to Charmel anyway. Like, so. Again, we debated on what show we wanted to start with here, and we went with NXT first because. So I did. I just like to say before we start this, that just because we're about to say some a lot of things that yeah. we did not like about this show, that doesn't mean you're not allowed to like this show. Exactly. It's if not. You did good on you. Yeah, you know it's if not. You didn't, Join the club. Right? It's not attacking you for liking the show. Like, that's it. So we're just sharing our opinions. Yes. It's just our opinion of the show. And this is how we saw it. Like, plain and simple. So, the show kicked off with the, the graphic of Scott Hall. Again, it's good that they've actually done it on both shows. I'm pretty sure, I'm 99.999% sure we're going to see it at the beginning of SmackDown. Yep. So... We went to the usual intro video, and then we got the video package of last week's main event, where Dolph won the NXT title. Again, very bizarre situation, but again, we talked about how we feel about the entire thing right there. That it it still feels like Dolph just getting a WrestleMania thing to do. Like, they didn't have anything for Dolph at this point. They're like, we don't know what to give Dolph Ziggler, of all people. You know, he's done so much for us. What can we give Dolph Ziggler? How about we give him the NXT title for a bit? Just so Braun Breaker takes it back. Like, just, it, it was it was a shock, but was it really necessary, like, in the end? Yeah, no. So, we ended up getting a, a Miz TV segment to kick off the show. It was announced that we were going to get Miz TV with Dolph Ziggler as the guest. So... Miz introduced himself. He got some Miz chants. The crowd actually was into Miz for a little bit. Again, it's the Miz. Can't really get into him as much as I could ever want to, you know. Just yeah. can't stand the Miz. He says, it feels good to be here, but what also feels good is the fact that he'll team with Logan Paul at WrestleMania to face the Mysterios. Like, stop trying to hype that. You can't hype that matchup and make it freaking important at all. Like, it's on night one for a reason. They're getting it on there and getting it over with. <laughs> they're stacking night two. Because they're going to be like, oh, well, WrestleMania night one? <laughs> okay. WrestleMania night two? Yeah. Like. Yeah. So, Miz said, last week, one man turned WrestleMania weekend upside down. Because even Dolph was talking about it, too. That he was going to turn WrestleMania weekend upside down. He says... He's had ups and downs with this man, but he asked Miz to come to NXT and do an interview as a favor. So here he is. Miz goes on and introduces Dolph Ziggler, who comes out with Robert Roode again. I, I don't mind the Dirty Dogs being on NXT. I just don't think the NXT title needed to be on Dolph at it all. Didn't. No. It really didn't. So Ziggler took the mic. Like, having... Having Braun Breaker beat Dolph Ziggler, beat Dolph Ziggler with or without the NXT title on Ziggler, was no difference. Yeah, it really doesn't. You're beating Dolph Ziggler either way. Yeah, 
Either way. Like, the title doesn't need to be taken off of Braun so Braun gets the big win, quote-unquote. Because that just seems like all they're doing. Like, yeah, he beat Champa. That was big enough. But then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we need to give Dolph something to do. Again, that's all this feels like. Yeah. Especially since the fact that on Raw, we literally saw Braun Breaker pin Dolph. Yeah. So it's not like we've never seen fucking Braun Breaker pin Dolph before. Exactly. Then the tag match, Braun pin Dolph. Like, (laughs) right there. We already have seen it happen. So... Ziggler took the mic, says that this feels right, as he was wearing the NXT title. He says, so he welcomes Miz and Miz TV to his show. Miz says, the NXT title looks good on Ziggler. Fans are chanting NXT. Miz loves how Ziggler just went to the rookie Braun Breaker and took the NXT title. Miz says, everyone's probably thinking Breaker's going to come out here and interrupt, but that's not happening. And they showed a, a video of... Braun Breaker showing up at the, at the, I guess it's still the performance center. So showed up, he got in like looking, he was frantic looking for Ziggler trying to rip his head off. He got in an argument with a bunch of trainers. He then just hopped in his car, peeled off and left. So he, Rude and Ziggler are all of a sudden just start taking digs at Braun Breaker, call him a sore loser. Rude joked about his interference in last week's title match and says, that's why we're the new NXT champion. Ziggler says, Breaker was smart to turn around and leave earlier today. Ziggler wants to talk about himself now. He's a fighting champion and he loves to wrestle. They go on bragging about how rich The Miz is. But then, all of a sudden, LA Knight interrupts. So, immediately, again... I get interested because I'm thinking we're just going to have a match. So maybe we'll get LA Knight and Dolph Ziggler in a one-on-one just because, or maybe we'll get LA Knight versus Robert Roode, or maybe we'll just get the Miz to stay on the show and we'll get LA Knight versus the Miz something. So suddenly, so LA Knight comes out and fans start Going crazy, because everyone fucking loves L.A. Knight. Just, like, how could you not? Yeah, really. The guy's charismatic as hell. So he entered the ring with a mic. Knight recalls how he last ran into Ziggler and Rude at Raw and told them to come down to NXT, and now Ziggler's the champion. Knight says, if Breaker can't be here tonight to challenge for the NXT title, he doesn't want to wait any longer. Ziggler says he's a fighting champion, but he only fights superstars. So maybe next time. Ziggler tells Knight he'll see him later because even when he said, I only fight superstars, and of course, LA Knight was going in on him. He told him, I'm not a superstar, I'm a megastar. And I was like, you get him right now, LA Knight. Like, this man, when he picks up a microphone, can just spew off anything. Yeah, he, he <laughs> And you want to listen to him so talk. He's so captivating, and sometimes you just don't even, like have to pay attention to what he's saying. And again, he he gives me, like, stone-cold vibes, because even when he talks, he's got that weird, like, he wants to just start talking like this a lot. And he has the head waggle, yeah, he and gets... he's gonna drop you on the stack of nine! <laughs> and you his, He does get his head moving a lot, like Austin would do. Like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my god, LA Knight literally is stone-cold sometimes. Fucking starts shaking his head. That's like what I'm saying! It's, it's bizarre! Oh my god, you had to reference D'Lo Brown? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> So, 
Ziggler pretty much told him that he won't face him, but then says he'll face him for the NXT title. So immediately, I'm going, okay, I'm all for this happening. If it made freaking sense, why is LA Knight just randomly getting a title match? Like, it doesn't make sense. The guy just lost to Grayson Waller. Not only, last week! Not only did he just lose to Grayson Waller He actually week, hasn't been winning a he, lot. He's lost three straight fucking matches to LA Knight, or to fucking Grayson Waller. Three straight matches to Grayson Waller. Yeah. And all he had to do was go out and say, yeah, I'll, I'll fight you for the NXT title. And Dolph Ziggler's like, nah, nah, it's fine, I'm good. And then LA Knight's like, yeah, but I'm gonna fight you for the NXT title. And Dolph Ziggler's like, well, I guess you're fighting me for the NXT title. <laughs> like, it, it didn't make sense to me at all. It This was one of the main reasons why I call NXT 2.0 another main roster show. Because this is something the main roster does. It's the same thing that happened with Bobby Lashley, for instance. The man lost to Goldberg, but then immediately just comes out, decimates three guys, and goes, hey... I deserve a world title match, even though I just lost to to Goldberg. Like, what? That doesn't make sense. None. <laughs> None. Did you earn that opportunity? No, you didn't. You just walked out there, picked up a mic and said, I'll face you tonight for your title. No, you're not going to face me for my title. I'm still going to face you for your title tonight. Okay, fine. Like... What the hell kind of conundrum is this? So, again, it's an it's an interesting match. And I want to see it. But, like, he... I, I wanted to see it, but I wanted it to make sense to want to see it, you know? Because, yeah. so... Ziggler told Knight that when he said he'll see him later, Miz talked Knight up and says he'll be a major player one day, just not yet. That's when Knight says... They're right, he's not a superstar, he's a damn megastar, and that means he can take the title off Ziggler any day of the week. Knight says, Ziggler declared this his show, he tells Orlando to tell Ziggler whose show this is, he does the L.A. Knight thing, and the crowd just goes along with it. Like, they are so good with that. I love how they can stay intact with that, because it's like, as soon as he goes, whose show is this? And they're like, L.A. Knight, and I'm yeah! just like, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Knight goes on about taking the title off of Ziggler. Ziggler says he only wrestles in the main event, and when Knight figures out where that is, he'll see him there. But again, he doesn't know what the main event is, but he's wrestling you in the main event. So, like, this whole segment was such a confusion. Like, I won't face you, but I'll face you, like, tonight. Like, what? It, it, was, it was such a weird situation. So, Miz announced that we were going to get the title match tonight, and says it'll be awesome. The two argued, Miz's music played, and that was the end of that. So, again, it just, it didn't make sense at all. LA Knight has lost, as you said, three straight to Grayson Waller. Has had nothing to say that he deserves to have an NXT title match, other than just being LA Knight. And that was it. And I'm like, no, it's not how that works. It's not how that works. He Basically, if you put it in consideration and you just look at it at face value, 
LA Knight got an NXT title match because he was the first person to walk out during Miz TV. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty freaking much. And that wasn't really necessary. And that was not anything that if signified. If that's the case, literally anybody could have walked out to that ring and gotten a fucking NXT title match. Probably. Grayson Waller could have if he wanted to. Like, anybody. Like, you just Fucking said, Boa could have walked out and oh, got an NXT oh, title match. Can talk about Boa? Oh, boy. So, again, I, I, I wanted to see the match, but, like, I wanted to make sense, which it didn't. So... We see Cameron Grimes warming up backstage. We also see Legato Del Fantasma walking through the backstage area. And we get our first match of the night, which is the North American title ladder match qualifier, Cameron Grimes versus Santos Escobar. This was good. It was just it's way too much interference. Yeah. Like, I Santos Escobar is great, but he does not need constant interference. Yeah, it's like fucking Andrade all over again. Yeah. Literally every match Andrade is in fucking, was in, Zelina Vega would fucking get involved. And I'm like, does Andrade need help to fucking beat Apollo Crews? Uh, I get this is a higher stakes match, but like, he doesn't, I would love, I want to see a match where Legato Del Fantasma does not get involved. Especially because... The ending, then, honestly, didn't really play into needing any kind of, like, didn't really have the interference really make any freaking difference. Yeah. Like, th- they were gone. Like, they were, the interference was taken out, but Legato still, like, was not even involved in it. But Legato still got, a, Santos still got the, the Phantom Driver on him in the middle of it. Like, he went for the cave-in. He jumped straight up. He caught him in the in the Phantom Driver, hit him with it, and it was over. And I was like, well, what the hell was the point of all the interference then? If Santos was going to win this anyway, minus the interference getting involved. Like, earlier on, I understand. But, like, at the end, it wasn't really necessary because he was prepared to counter the cave-in. All he did was run, and he just jumped up, and he went, up, oh, caught him, planting, done. And I was like... So the interference was pointless at the end. Like, nothing. Wasn't even needed. So, again, Santos goes in the ladder match. We honestly thought that Cameron Grimes was going to be in the ladder match. Which surprised the hell out of me. So, Escobar stands tall. The fans are chanting Santos. And then all of a sudden, we got, again, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams were on commentary. Which you were like, I, you, I don't know the what. More, the more I hear fucking Carmelo Hayes, and the more I see of him, the more and more I just don't like him. What did he say on commentary that you absolutely were like, what the hell did he just say? Did he say like he's the first person? Oh yeah! Oh my god, he said <laughs> he was the first person to successfully defend the North American title. And I'm thinking to myself... That has to be the fucking most incorrect fucking statement I've ever heard in my life. Everybody who's held the North American title. Everyone. Everyone that's held the North American title. Adam Cole. Ricochet. Velveteen Dream. Bleep me there. Fucking. (laughs) Bleep me there. (laughs) Fucking. uh, Keith Lee. Anybody. You can name 
any fucking North American champion, they've defended their title at least once. Literally. Successfully. Think, literally, think about it. Keith Lee fought Finn Balor before he fought Adam Cole and successfully defended the North American title. But Carmelo Hayes literally goes, I'm the first person to successfully <laughs> defend the North American title. How many times did Adam Excuse Cole... Excuse me? How many times did Adam Cole successfully defend the North American title? But I get it, you can't mention Adam Cole because he's over in the Forbidden Zone. We get it, like... Suck it up and just fucking say his name. God. Even if we are deleting the fucking history, Damien Priest, who's still with the company, successfully defended his North American title at Ugh. least once. That was Actually, just... Actually, did he? Uh... It was... Uh, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Oh, he's doing thinking here. I mean, he's still wrong no matter what, because... Ricochet defended his North American title successfully. It it was it was so think, bizarre. I don't think Priest did. I think his first defense was against Johnny in that a uh, Halloween Havoc, which he lost. No, I think he defended it once against Leon Ruff and beat Leon, of course. Ah, oh, well, yeah. Okay. There, there's I forgot difference. Leon Ruff won the North American title. Oh, I love Leon. <laughs> I loved Leon. I'm sorry. As much as people shit on Leon Ruff because of the whole, well, he's a jobber. Why do you have to beat Johnny for the North American title? Hey, Leon Ruff is great. Yeah. The guy can go. Like, yeah, he's tiny as hell. We get it. But come on. Seeing him beat Johnny led into everybody that was like, well, he's just a jobber. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, well, guess what? The man broke out and did a lot. I mean, to be fair, it, it's obvious that it was just for shock value. I don't care. It was enjoyable. Because everyone was like, Leon Ruff's a jobber. He doesn't do anything. He's never done anything to make you convinced as to why the hell he should win the title. Yeah, well, guess what he did? After he won the title, he did stuff. <laughs> like... We saw more of Leon Ruff other, other than him just going in the ring and getting jobbed out all the time. Like, it worked very well. We just went on a tangent. <laughs> That's not really a tangent. That's just telling it how it is. So, again, it was it was weird because I was like, damn, I thought Cameron Grimes was going to be in this match, but I guess not. Yeah, and the, and the point I was trying to make is just... The more I heard Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams on commentary, the more I'm just like, I, d I don't want to hear them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> they mean... literally came out to the ring before they went to commercial, and I literally straight up said, you know, they don't have to be on the show every week. They really don't. It's a prime example of one <laughs> of the people that doesn't have to be on the show every week. Yeah. Especially when they're not doing anything. A la Charlotte, for instance, is another one. Why does she have to be on SmackDown every week when she doesn't fucking wrestle half the time? She wrestles once every, I don't know, month and a half on SmackDown? Like, come on. She doesn't need to be on the show. Like, leave it at that. Carmelo's the same thing. If he's not wrestling, he doesn't have to be on the show every week. Yeah, we don't have to hear a fucking... A fucking promo from Carmelo Hayes saying the same four fucking things he always says. And the next week he's still not wrestling, so they do a fucking barbershop thing. 
And then next week he's still not wrestling, so they put him on commentary. And then probably next week he's going to be on commentary again, and I'm going to have to hear him say something fucking stupid. Mm -hmm. So, after the match, Escobar got the win. He stood tall with the music. Fans were chanting Santos. So, he was staring down Hayes and Trick. And they kept hyping more of the ladder match. So, after that, we got a video package of Io Shirai and Kaylee Ray talking about the finals of the NXT Women's Dusty Classic being next week. They issue a warning to Dakota and Wendy Chu and declare that Toxic Attraction's reign over NXT will come to an end. We went backstage. We saw Wendy and Dakota together. Kai is unsure about the finals, but Wendy Chu says that they can do it. Toxic Attraction walked up and asked... If they've seen Cora with their titles, because apparently we've saw it, we're just going to probably jump to that quick. We saw Cora Jade walking around. She had nabbed the NXT women's title from Mandy and the tag titles. And can't wait to talk about this shit when we get to it. Absolutely, I can't wait to hear your take on this when we get to it. So, they haven't, but they said they haven't, but when they find her, they're going to put her. They Toxic Attraction says they're going to find her put her on the shelf like they did Raquel Gonzalez, because I guess apparently Raquel is now out with the knee injury, I guess. I don't really know. There was some arguing until Mandy Rose tells Chu and Kai to get the job done next week. They go off hunting for Cora Jade as Wendy and Dakota watched. They agree that Toxic Attraction is hot, but they're weird. So, it's just, I didn't... It was it was what it is. Again, I'm interested to see what's going to happen with the Dusty Classic next week. Because of this, like, I really want Dakota and Wendy to win. As much as I love EO and freaking Kaylee Ray, I really hope they don't win. Yeah. Like, I get they have similar, like, goals and their, their aim is to take out the tag champions, like, right now. And they're trying to take out Toxic Attraction together. I just, I kind of want the, I kind of want the unexpected team to win more than I want the obvious team to win. Same. Yeah, so, we then got the hype video for A-Kid, we went to a commercial, we come back from the commercial, and we had Jacket Time already out there, again, this match was Kushida and A-Kid, A-Kid's debut was against Kushida, which again, had me really interested, because again, the two of them are, they pretty much are the same style, mm-hmm. which I thought was going to be really interesting. So, out came Jacket Time, then A-Kid was already in the ring, which of yeah. course, way to fucking blow his debut already by not giving him an entrance. Like, oh god, I gotta sneeze. Oh god. <laughs> First, so... Again, I wanted to see this match. I really did. I was looking forward to what this match was going to be. And then we even found out that the winner of this match would face Grayson Waller next week in a stand and deliver ladder match qualifier. So again, I got interested. I thought this was good, but I think I expected more. Yeah, I definitely expected more. And it it just really annoys me that it's still, you just instantly throw a, a kid into the one of those situations that they give him a hype package, 
but then they instantly don't give him a fucking entrance. Right? They don't give him an entrance. They give him the jobber entrance. Right? Like, how did you, how did you get so excited? You're like, yeah, we need to hype up that A-Kid's coming to, w, to, coming to NXT, and all of a sudden just go, yeah, we're not going to have him come out in front of the crowd. We're just going to have him come out there and stand there. Like, he doesn't get his entrance, nothing. Like, that was, you already, like, hit, like, a pothole by his debut already. Like, great job, guys. Fantastic. You screwed it up already. So, again, I, I thought this was good. It's just, I, th- I, th- I expected more. I don't know why. Like, to me, it just, like, it didn't even hit a gear. It really didn't. It they, just felt like it was going with the motions. It was on, like, cruise control. They were, again, there was a lot of map-based stuff between the two of them. There was a little bit of high-flying from A-Kid. And then it was, like, it just felt like it went nowhere. And I, and I, and the crowd sucked. They did not get into this at all. Like, it's like they don't know who A-Kid is. And they're so uninterested in Kushida right now. Being with Ikamanjiro, that it was like this match got nothing out of it. Like it again, I expected more from the two of this. If I'm being completely honest with you, and this might be just contributing to my fucking terrible memory, but I don't think I could fucking recall a single thing that happened in this match. Uh, I remember coming back from the break, Kushida was already in the ring. To Jack at Times theme song, because, mm-hmm. okay, I guess fucking Kushida just doesn't have a theme anymore. And fucking A-Kid was already in the ring. And then I remember A-Kid winning. Yeah, and, and by with a botch, too. Because he wins with the Moonsault DDT, and it was incredibly botched. Which, again, it, I, I expected more from these two. It was, it was an okay match. It just, it needed to pick up, which it didn't. Like, for a, for a mat-based match, it was good. But it felt like it was just in cruise control, like you said. It yeah. really did. So again, A-Kid gets the win via botch. Uh, again, maybe it'll be better next week when he if he hits it on Grayson Waller. Who knows? So, again, I, I expected more from this. But it's, it's good to see A-Kid. Because, again, I, I like A-Kid. I really do. And I like Kushida, but I'm tired of him being with Jack time already. Yeah, and this was my first time seeing A-Kid. Because I don't... I haven't watched NXT, or NXT UK in fucking... I don't even know how long. I haven't either, which, is, which sucks. And I really want to start watching more of it. But, like, I look at A-Kid and I go... Like, the guy had a fantastic match with... Gunther, I guess I can say, because now I have to say that it was it was awesome, and he also had a freaking insane match with with Tyler Bate at one point, and it's like I would love to see like I wanted him to be able to stand out in this, and it's like right now it just feels like another name, like they kind of blew it like already on the debut by hyping him up and just going, hey, just just put him in the ring. It's fine. Don't worry. Nothing will happen. Like, yeah, don't don't give him his theme. Don't let yeah. him come out to the crowd. Just fucking just place him in the yeah. ring. But again, A-Kid and Grayson Waller next week should be good. Should be really good. So, we went backstage. Mackenzie Mitchell was with Legato Del Fantasma. She congratulated Santos on qualifying for the ladder match. 
but he interrupts and goes on about how he's the best luchador of all time and it'll be his time to win gold at Stand and Deliver. And then all of a sudden, Ray and Dom show up. Like, the most random thing ever. <laughs> I even said this the one time, that if Dom, if you weren't going to stick Dom immediately on the main roster, if he, if he was not going to, if he was just going to have that little bit of time on the main roster, you send him to NXT. Have him face Santos, have him deal with Santos, and have him win the Cruiserweight title like his dad did. For God's sake, when the Cruiserweight title was still here. But they ended up merging the Cruiserweight title. Dom never touched a single step into NXT until now. Like, you blew it on that freaking aspect already. So Ray and Dom appear. Crowd goes crazy. Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza are, are excited at first, but Escobar looks at them. They shut up. Dom says his father is really the greatest of all time, which, again... Is anybody really going to really say no to Rey Mysterio being the greatest luchador of all time? Yeah. Electra Lopez says Escobar will be the one to break all of Rey's records. Rey insists his son is the luchador of the future and the one to break the records. Dom says he came here to fight and they're down to fight. Escobar says Dominic's just made the biggest mistake of his life. He pretty much is going to face Raul Mendoza again. Such a random thing is having Dom here. And I think at this point... What, like, what warranted them two coming here? Yeah, n literally nothing at all gave any sort of hint or, like, indication or reasoning whatsoever for Ray and Dom showing up on NXT. And I think this was the segment here that I tweeted out and I go, Ray slash Dom versus Santos should be a fun match. But if I wanted to watch The Miz, Dolph Ziggler, Robert Roode, and The Mysterios on a wrestling show, I would start watching Raw more often. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's such a weird... Like, the whole point of NXT 2.0 is to train and to develop. And I know putting them in the ring with people like... Ray and Dom and fucking Miz and well, fucking Dolphin. Well, Robert putting them Ray. in the ring with Ray is a different story. Is worth it. Yeah. But putting them in the ring with Dom, Dom, who everybody still says is so still underdeveloped. Yeah, it's especially first of all, who I still think is, is great though. This is not a knock on Legato, but none of Legato Del Ventasma besides Electra Lopez need developing. They're great. They're great where they are. Mm -hmm. They don't need the development. If there's anyone in this entire thing that needs development, it is fucking Dominic. <laughs> as much as everyone... Like, I will say Dom is really good. But you see the regression on, at times. Yeah. He, like, advances, and then you slowly watch him drop. And you're like, damn, come on, Dom. Like, But I get putting... Like, Braun Breaker and, and L.A. Knight and all these people in the ring with fucking main roster talent is going to make them better. I get it. But I didn't fucking... I don't watch NXT to be like, man, I wonder who these young guys are... I wonder who they're going to bring in from the main roster for these young guys to wrestle. No. 
I want to see the young guys develop by themselves. Exactly. And if they don't, then fucking move on from them. Mm -hmm. Give them a break. Go to someone else. Yeah, pretty much. I don't disagree there. So, I didn't fucking... I don't watch NXT 2.0 every week to see fucking a young guy wrestle a main roster scrub... Or not scrub, but fucking mm. jobber who walks down and is like, "Well, I have nothing better to do on the main roster, so let me just sit here for a little bit." Ugh, it's just, it was such a bizarre thing. It was so weird and it was so random. It was like literally unwarranted. Like an appearance of Dom and Ray was so random, and especially with this being absolutely meaning nothing. Like it sucked that it had to come down to this. Yeah. So. Again, we're getting Do- we got Dom and Raul Mendoza, which again, so Saray and Tiffany Stratton was next. Was what they were talking about was still to come. We went to a commercial. We came back from the commercial. We saw the recent happenings of what was going on with Saray and Tiffany Stratton again, all because Saray told her no, like. About the necklace, like... It, yeah, all because Saray said, no, nah, I don't... I have my own necklace. I don't want yours. Just... So, Saray versus Tiffany Stratton. Saray was walking backstage. She was still in her, like, schoolgirl outfit that she has before she changes into what she is. Again, so she's walking backstage. She gets jumped by Tiffany Stratton. First off, so... They brawl out to the arena, out to the ring... Stratton kept the attack on. Saray got, got thrown to the ring. The ref checked on her, but he says he's checking out. Saray says she's ready to go. The bell rang. Saray got like zero offense in. She got like one move in, I swear. She misses the drop kick. Just Tiffany drops her down and hits her little corkscrew Vader splash. And then. Which she. I gotta say, usually I'm like super impressed with. Tiffany Stratton and how she does, but she, ah, she was rough. She was rough yeah. in this match. She was she, very sloppy. Yeah, Saray pretty much went for the the crazy drop kick she does in the ropes. She shot herself out of the ring. Tiffany Stratton threw her back in the ring. She hit her with the handspring in the corner. She hits her with the twisting Vader bomb and gets the win. And I just get disappointed. She barely hit that fucking. She did. Splash. She really didn't. She literally just hit her legs. Like, I, I I just didn't care. It was so disappointing, because of fucking Saray losing to Tiffany Stratton. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm still not impressed with Tiffany Stratton at all. I hate the mean girl freaking gimmick. I cannot stand it. She's a daddy's girl. I don't give a shit what she is. It's not interesting. It's really not. Like, I don't care if she's had 20 years of gymnastics and all this other stuff. She's just... I'm not impressed. I'm not impressed. I like Saray more than I like Tiffany Stratton. And I'm watching this happen and I just go... I just threw my arms up, slumped down in my seat and was like... So not happy that I had to sit through this. Like... So, Tiffany celebrated. They showed replays of it. And that was the gist of that. Again, just disappointing disappointing at least for somebody who's a saray fan so after the match we go to 
We had Gunther approach L.A. Knight backstage. Gunther doesn't respect Knight for being a loudmouth and an embarrassment to pro wrestling. Knight told Gunther that he doesn't have to respect anything except for the fact he's about to become the new NXT champion. Knight has no problem with giving Gunther a title shot. Gunther says Knight isn't a champion, just a disgrace. They have a few more words. Knight says the difference between them has to do with sports entertainment. Gunther has the first half, but Knight has both, which means he's talking about how that Knight can do the talking and the wrestling, and Gunther's just the wrestling, as he says. But you can't really say Gunther's promos are awful. They're not that bad. Yeah, they're not bad, but I, I, if we compare them out to, to LA, LA Knight, they don't, they don't, they don't compare yeah, at all. Yeah, no. Knight walks off and says he's got a match to get ready for. So again, teasing a Gunther match with LA Knight. Sure, why not? Guta! <laughs> so we saw Tommaso Ciampa backstage he was headed to the ring with something to say we go to commercial so Toxic Attraction is still looking for Cora Jade JC Jane apparently looks over and sees one of her one of the NXT tag team women's tag titles just hanging on a hook she then proceeds to go over in the corner, try to pull it down, and the door's shut on her. Cora Jade runs over and locks it, locks the door. Like, so we're getting Home Alone tactics. Not only is it Home Alone tactics, but has J.C. Jane seen any horror movie ever? <laughs> if she hasn't, or has, how could you not fucking understand that if you turn to your fucking left and you see the thing that you're looking for hanging on a hook in the middle of a fucking warehouse somebody apparently doesn't watch horror movies enough you would think that your first idea is not to pull the entire hook yeah like we literally said that is just Begging to be booby trapped. We literally just said. We literally said as soon as I looked over at her seat, go like going for the title. I'm like, she's like a horror trope right now. She's too stupid to fucking notice it, and then she's just gonna grab the thing and get herself trapped like a dumbass. So it was, it was like a horror. There's like a horror trope and Home Alone mixed together, and I was like, oh come on. Yeah. Disappointed. So, Cora brushes her hands off. She goes one down, two to go. So. We went back to the ring. Tommaso Ciampa came out. Crowd went crazy. I still fucking hate his music. It's god awful. Like, generic rock much? So, fans are chanting for Ciampa. Music stops. He takes the mic. Sitting on the top turnbuckle. Ciampa wants to take an opportunity to talk to the fans about gratitude. Sometimes he still just looks around and takes it all in. This is his life. This has been his life. Fans interrupt with a Champa chant. Champa goes on about finally getting the chance to run with the ball. And that opportunity came in NXT under WWE. Again, wasn't he another one like Johnny who wasn't signed at the time also, but was just yeah. showing up on shows and then they were just like, we signed him. That's it. Like, again, not a mistake. You signed Tommaso Champa. So, 
the lar he says the largest company in the planet. That's gratitude, he says. Champa goes on about how he's been here since 2015 and together. We got a thank you Champa chant. Champa tries to recap seven years in a nutshell. He talked about the whole the neck injury, how he finally got like teaming with DIY, winning the turning on Johnny, winning the title, having a good run, an awesome run with it, breaking his neck. It's just, finally getting the title back again. Like it was, it, it's been an awesome run for Champa, honestly. And again, like I, I thought this whole thing was 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 fantastic. I thought this was great. It just, it, it's it's clearly Champa going to the main roster. Yeah. Like, this this clearly is leading to Champa going on the main roster, and I, I, I'm, I still have, just, so much, just concern about it. Yeah. Like. You see the signs over and over still today that they're still erasing 2.0. Or they're still erasing black and gold at any chance they got. Pete Dunne is a prime example. The name change already. I would not be surprised if there's another music change. Like, Champa going on the main roster is another one of those concerns. Even when Pete Dunne first got on the main roster also... Like, the first thing I thought is, yeah, it's, like, you want to see him on the main roster, but you look at him and go, do you really want him on the main roster, though? Because, like, with the past terrible things and awful things that the main roster's done, like name changes and music changes and character changes, like, is Pete Dunne one you want to see that happen to? Is Tommaso Ciampa someone you want to see that happen to? And you don't, like... I I like I'm still terrified as to what the hell is gonna happen to Tommaso Ciampa. Like, yeah, the music has already happened. If the name happens, I give up. I I literally give up. I'm gonna just. There's not gonna be a day that goes by that I will not rant on that. I'm sorry. The tirade will be will happen every time. Mm-hmm. Like. But again, I, I thought that like this clearly was like a, a goodbye. This is clearly Champa pretty much saying thank you for all the time that I had in NXT and I can't wait to like like what's next for me still. And it, it's it's clearly gonna be the main roster. Because even then, like, he wouldn't have the music change if he wasn't going up there at this point. Yeah. So all of a sudden Crowd was cheering, and out came Tony D'Angelo. Because he was talking about who is he going to face at, at Stand and Deliver, and, you know, he wants to become, like, the Don of of NXT. So, he showed up behind Champa. D'Angelo and Champa were just staring each other down. He had the crowbar in his hand. He looked over at Champa. He just kind of threw it down. Tony D'Angelo took a mic. He says he could have dropped Champa with the crowbar, but he respects Champa enough to come in the ring and face him like a man. D'Angelo's been thinking of who is he going to beat to put his name in the history books, who can make him the man in NXT, who does he have to beat. Now he stands in front of that guy. Tony says, 
Champa's been the face of NXT for a while now, and he thinks it would be an honor for the family if Champa would throw hands with Tony D at Stand and Deliver. Tony asked Champa what he thinks about it. He stuck his hand out. Champa shook his hand. Suddenly, Tony D'Angelo hits him with a knee in the balls. <laughs> like, it, again, I, I, I'm interested to see this match. I think it's going to be great. Yeah. I really do. The two of them, this is probably going to be stiff. Like, I would not be surprised if this is stiff. These two might hit the hell out of each other with this. Like, because Champa's a brawler. Mm-hmm. But Tony D'Angelo seems like a brawler himself. Like, he's not yeah. just a powerhouse. He's a brawler. So, interested to see this match at, at Stand and Deliver. So, again, I'm just, I'm still nervous as hell about Champa going to the main roster. So, so we get Persia Parada and Indy Hartwell. They were backstage prepping for their match. They then got face-to-face with each other. So they have a few words, and we went to a commercial. So we get the match, and immediately at the start, both of them come out to the same music at the same time. Who does this? Who, who the hell... Did, who the hell's ever done this? That clearly tells you that Persia Parada doesn't have her own theme song yet, and they didn't even take the time to make her her own theme. That's still lame. They're a team that's on the verge of breaking up, but you're like, just have them come out like they're a team, but they're bickering back and forth with each other like... This was stupid yeah, looking it, it already. Made, it made for just really awkward, like, fucking... It made them, like fucking try to get in each other's way, trying to flaunt each other and do their fucking entrance and shit. I'm like, come on. Yeah. Like, like you couldn't have taken... You had a week to make Persia Parada her own theme song so she didn't have to walk out with Indy Hartwell. Yeah. And you just, you just didn't. And this match just didn't do it. It yeah, didn't do it. Wasn't. Indy got the win. We got there was a distraction, of course, by Duke. Indy ended up getting the win anyway. After the match, distraction by Duke, and then Duke was distracted by Dexter. Yeah, the two of them got pretty much. They pretty much canceled each other out. Indy got the win. After the match, Indy stands tall. Loomis joined her in the ring. Duke gets in the ring with Persia, and then. It just ends up as a dick measuring contest with makeout sessions. This was god awful. Like, now we're hitting stages of this is awful. Like, yeah, this was, is uh, freaking terrible. It was rough. Rough isn't the word. This is cringy. This is stupid. Like, Dexter Loomis is not even on the show half the time. <laughs> So why the hell do I even freaking care about anything about Index anymore? He just fits into this scenario. It's just, it's so cringy. It's so bad. Like, if we're getting a mixed tag match, either at Stand and Deliver or sometime on NXT before Stand and Deliver, I am not looking forward to this. Is this what people felt like when Index was first starting? No. when in, uh, They might have. Because there's people that hated this immediately. And I liked it. I thought it was done pretty well. 
originally. But after a while, they hit spots where they took people out of it. They'd have Dexter off the show for months, then bring him back on the show, and it's the same thing that they're doing nowadays. They have him on the show, and they take him off the show, then he's back on it again. It's like, oh, did you remember they're married? Did you, did you remember that? Yeah, I know they're married, goddammit. Just stick with the damn story. Stop taking him off TV and then not doing anything with it. Like, Indy and Persia and Duke can't carry this whole thing by themselves. Like, it's not gonna work. Dexter's gotta be here for this, and he's not here half the time. So, like, it's kind of depleted De like Dexter in every way. That he's still stuck with this. It's just... It took something that was enjoyable and then kind of ruined... Really ruined it. Like, you now broke up a team for some stupid story. Like, this, this is uh, an easy pass. Like, for me. I can't... I cannot deal with this. Like, this is bad. I don't like Duke Hudson to begin with. Yeah. Like, and now I gotta watch him in the middle of this feud to be like, it's Duke Hudson's next important feud for him like it's not important the hell out of here with this so next we got Gigi Dolan walking backstage looking for Cora Jade she saw the other women's tag team title sitting on a dumpster if that wasn't <laughs> if that wasn't symbolic enough for fucking toxic attraction boy oh boy anyway I swear these this these fucking segments with with JC and Gigi made them just do they not understand context clues, right? How do you not? How do you, you see? You know your... that Cora Jade Cora Jade took your fucking titles, and then you just so happen to see your titles in precarious situations that could be a trap. They, and then you're like, those clearly scream go wrong here. They clearly scream trap, and they're just, oh, we gotta go for him. Like, no, nothing could go wrong. We're just gonna get my title back. So she hops in the dumpster. She had a hell of a time getting in the dumpster at first. She finally gets in there, grabs the title, and then the door, the the lids on the dumpster drop down on top of her. From Cora being in a forklift. Well, first off, why didn't you do that? Why couldn't you just done that yourself? Why'd you need the forklift to shut the lid? <laughs> and then you could have put it on top of it like she did. Like, it. these Home Alone segments are really kind of lame. So, again, she brushes her hands off, says two down, one to go. So now Gigi's stuck in, in, a, in a dumpster, and JC's stuck in a cage somewhere like oh boy can't wait to find out what the hell she was gonna do to mandy and boy oh boy when we get to the mandy stuff so we finally get dominic mysterio versus raul mendoza we come back we went to a commercial after ggb in the in the dumpster we came back from the break legato del fantasma's in the ring dom gets his own entrance because he actually used his own music Again, this really wasn't awful. It's just, why? What was the point of this? None of it. Like, unless Legato del Fantasma, pray to God they're not, because I'm terrified, are going up on the main roster to start something with Ray and Dom after this. Like, this was pointless. So, 
And then not to mention the end of this match was a complete clusterfuck. Yeah, so there is interference up the wazoo. We have... We uh, immediately get Electra Lopez on the ring apron, who then gets pulled off by Fallon Henley, the girl who's the who was the bartender for the Briggs and Jensen stuff. She pulls Electra Lopez off, and then out comes Legato Del Fantasma running around on the other side to try to intervene. Out comes Briggs and Jensen, who just stand there and stare at them. Dom eventually hits the 619 on... No, before that, fucking Ray just, out of nowhere, just comes and fucking clocks yeah, Santos Dex in the Santos face. Escobar. We get the 619, the frog splash from Dom. Dom gets the win. So, again, it makes sense that we're doing Briggs, Jensen, Fallon Henley versus Legato Del Fantasma, but the point of the match, of that being a thing, is stupid. Because... Brooks Jensen has no game, and he can't get no pussy. But, but Electra Lopez is stupid and thought Briggs, Briggs yeah, and Jensen like, talking about a fucking car was them talking about her ass. Yeah, like, it was... This whole thing is is pretty, not gonna lie, pretty lame. The, the, the story build-up to it is lame. Yeah. Like, I, I have... Some, like, very, very, and very little Which interest. raises the question, why exactly did Ray and Dom need to be a part of this whatsoever? Right. What was the point? When Legato Del Fantasma's dealing with Brooks and Jensen. Yeah. Or you know Briggs and Jensen. Damn. You know how awkward it was to see fucking Briggs and Jensen and Fallon Henley fucking celebrating with Ray and Dom at the top of the ramp? It was bizarre. It was so awkward. That was bizarre. Yeah, so, again, Dom gets the win. Random freaking appearance from the Mysterios. Very lackluster story for right now to continue to even try to build more into Legato Del Fantasma and Briggs and Jensen and Fallon Henley. So, after we got Vic and Wade talking about the, the Scott Hall stuff. Again, the promo package for this is amazing. Yeah, like, it's great. They talk like we. I'm pretty much going to talk about this now because I was going to talk about save it for Raw, but I might still bring it up on Raw anyway. I I still think that the uh, announcement of when it happened was like that was them telling us that day. Like we didn't know anything yeah. about what was going on because we hadn't heard a damn thing at all. But WWE was the first one to pretty much break it themselves. Like they got the news and just went, hey quick before the show starts we need to make a graphic for this and they made one and even the pro this this package here is amazing because i i still think this was on the fly i think this was an on the fly like video package they made and if they did they nailed it like wb's video production guys backstage like people backstage are on point when it comes to making a hype package yeah and a remembrance package like this. Like, this was... fan. Like, I love this. This is fantastic. And it's it's still just so sad to think that we lost Scott Hall. Yeah. So, now we're going to get to the good stuff. I can't oh, wait. Boy. I can't wait for this one. I'm going to just let you go in on this one. So, we went to a commercial. 
The crowd, before we went to commercial again, the package, we had the crowd chanting Razor. We went to a commercial. We came back from the commercial. Cora Jade is backstage with now just the women's title. She's walking backstage in the parking lot and she has a can of spray paint in her hand. She's looking at the women's title and she talks about, she's like, it's something that I can't wait to have. And she's like, I have it. And then she looks over in the parking lot and Mandy Rose has got a white, a white Range Rover. Okay. Yep. Now, she immediately has the spray paint in her hand and she's thinking about going and vandalizing it with the spray paint. She then drops the can of spray paint and goes to the car. She says, let's go take a ride. So she takes the NXT Women's title, opens the door. Which I First off, why is the door unlocked? Yeah. Mandy, why do you not lock the fucking doors Listen, on your car? I get it's Florida. But who the hell leaves their car unlocked like that? That is just begging to be robbed. Yeah, like the fuck. So, un, un, unsuspectingly, she gets in the car, you know, un, the car that should be locked is not locked. She gets in the car, puts the women's title in the front seat, in the passenger side. She gets in the driver's seat. She grabs the, the rear view mirror, pulls it down so she could see it. So she could see out of it. Mandy's sitting in the back seat. We get into a brawl in the parking lot. Cora gets left laying. First off, Mandy lays out Cora Jade. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes the rest of Toxic Attraction. My main question I have to ask here, first off, is who the fuck let them out? Yeah. Why did they let him out? If we are to believe that Mandy Rose let them out. I can believe that she probably unlocked the door. But when in the bloody fucking hell does Mandy Rose does know Mandy how to... Rose have the fucking license and the know-how <laughs> to operate a forklift? You know how she probably knows? Otis. God. God damn it, Otis. You know why? Heavy machinery. God damn it. <laughs> that's why. <laughs> I bet you that's why. Because remember... Heavy machinery forklift. <laughs> God damn it. So I hate puns. That, and first off, did she get like bolt cutters or something and get that freaking master lock off that door? Like, yeah, at least that's somewhat believable. Yeah. It's not believable for, for her to just hop into a forklift and know what the fuck to do. <laughs> so... Did she just call someone? Did she just scream until someone showed up and been like, yeah, can you get this forklift off this garbage? <laughs> and now here comes the fun part. This is the part I'm waiting for. So, 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 so Mandy Rose picks up the spray paint can and she goes, you wanted to vandalize my car, huh? She proceeds to shake up the can and spray it on the back of Cora Jade, which I think she did the Toxic Attraction logo-esque kind of thing. Which, again, it was kind of a tribute to Scott Hall. It's the NWO thing where they'd spray paint the back, which, again, I thought was good. She, we, she sprays the paint on the back of Cora Jade, and we find out that it's white spray paint. So, <laughs> Cora Jade... Before, Wait, before, you, before you get into it... It took you a little bit to notice this. Yeah. I saw when she sprays her in the back, 
and it's white paint. I sit there and I go, oh my God. And I'm like sitting there waiting for it. And then all of a sudden he goes, yeah, I'm sitting there and I was like, wait a second. He I goes, go, what? hold on a second. Wait a fucking second. The first thing I do is start laughing because he just notices this now. Cora Jade, before deciding to take a ride in Mandy Rose's unlocked white Range Rover, was close to walking up to her Range Rover and vandalizing Mandy's white Range Rover with white spray paint now now before you go into it the only thing i can think of that would be considered vandalizing that she could have done is spray paint the windows yeah but if she was talking about vandalizing the car like tagging the shit out of it what the hell is she gonna do it's a white range rover (laughs) what the hell was she gonna do Spray painting And she's threatening to vandalize (laughs) the white Range Rover with white spray paint. The only thing I could have thought of is, like I said, if she was going to vandalize the windows. But how fucking lackluster of a vandalize is just spray painting shit on the windows. Like, she made it seem like she was going to tag the car. Like... All over the car. But what the hell was she planning on doing with white spray paint? You you can't walk up to something that's a color and then spray more of that color on and be like, I changed the color. (laughs) (laughs) You can't walk up to something that's red and take a red Sharpie and start drawing some red scribbles on it and be like, vandalization (laughs) so you're just making it more red so if you wanted to vandalize the white Range Rover choose any other color besides white (laughs) like I said the only thing she could have done is spray paint the windows and if that's all she was gonna do this would have ended so lackluster like, she would have had to tag the car with some kind of freaking, like, the entire car with stuff. But she came out with white spray paint on a white car. Like, she couldn't tag that thing if she wanted to. Like, And then not so to mention, bad. how in the fuck did Mandy Rose have this, like, premonition that... Premon- premonition, not premonition. Premonition! Oh, okay, Matt Hardy. How did she have this wherewithal to go, I feel like Cora Jade's going to go to my white Range Rover. (laughs) I think she's going to do something to my car. (laughs) Let me sit in the back seat and wait for her. Her fucking spidey senses were tingling. (laughs) It's... How did she... How did she know? How did she know that Cora Jade was going to go to her Range Rover threatening to fucking tag up her white Range Rover with white spray paint and then decide to take a ride in the car. How? How did she know? It was... And second of all, second of all, like, 12 of all, at this point, even if if she wasn't in the backseat, are you trying to tell me 
that Mandy Rose is not only stupid enough to leave her Range Rover unlocked, but she's <laughs> stupid enough to leave her car unlocked with the keys in? <laughs> There's no way. There was no way. <laughs> There's no way that Mandy Rose is stupid enough to leave her car unlocked and then leave her car unlocked with the keys in the car. <laughs> It was so dumb, and I'm sorry. Like She's either hoping to get robbed or hoping to get her car stolen. <laughs> I Here's the thing, okay? We've said that the past few showings of Cora Jade haven't been that bad. Yeah. They really haven't. But, like, I, I still do not believe that this match is going to end well at all. Mm. I have zero fucking belief. That this match, because it was announced that it was official for TakeOver, for, I keep calling it TakeOver, for Stand and Deliver, and I have zero belief that this is going to be good at all. Like, I feel like this is going to fall into the freaking category of normal when it comes to women's title matches, most women's title matches, at at a TakeOver-esque thing. Like, usually the women's title match is is the weakest match on the card. And not all the, like not all the time is it because we've had some women's title matches that have stood out when it comes to takeovers, but like this is gonna fall in that category of it's not gonna be that good. I yeah. can feel it already. Like I'm not really interested in the story. The fact that we had to fucking go home alone tactics and horror movie tropes and attempted like a uh, Grand Theft Auto. And, you know, vandalization of a white vehicle with white spray paint. Like, it's just, I'm not into it yet. And I I don't know if I'm going to be. Like, I have bad feelings about this match. That's like if you decided to paint the room that we're in right now and been like, you know, I want to paint that that wall over there. What color? Eh, like a maroon. (laughs) It's the same color. Yeah, I want to paint it maroon. (laughs) And just to let you know, it is a dark maroon. Like, you ain't gonna freaking make any... You ain't gonna see shit on this wall. That's quite possibly, like, burgundy. Yeah, whatever it is. You ain't gonna see anything on this wall if you paint it the same color. So, we then go back to Vic and Wade. The Creed Brothers and Malcolm Bivens storm out to the ring. Brutus Creed... Brutus and Julius are fired up over getting attacked before they could get their title match. Julius says, until they figure out who took them out last week, bodies are going to fly and heads will roll. The thing I didn't get is Brutus says he wanted to know who attacked them and then proceeds to say, I don't care who did it. Like, (laughs) wait a second. You want to know who attacked you, but you don't give a damn who it was. Like... What? Okay. <laughs> so, all of a sudden, out comes MSK, who talked about how they were gonna they they took their spot because they weren't able to compete. So they figured, why not? We'll go in this match. All in all, to 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 sum this up, Eichner and Bartel come up on the on the podium, like the big tall podium in the back. And pretty much say, they're fine with facing both teams. And we get announced that we get a triple threat match. The first thing I say is, 
So, the Dusty Cup now is completely fucking pointless. You've hit the section where you've made the Dusty Cup be completely pointless. And I had this whole conversation with Ref Marsh, where he told me about, like, where he talked about the whole, if I go back in the history and look at the winners of the Dusty Cup, there's not really been a lot of people that won the Dusty Cup and have won the titles at the same time. Here's the thing, that's not what I was talking about. I'm talking about the guys who win the Dusty Cup are the ones who get the tag title match. This is the team that won the Dusty Cup now has to insert the team that they beat into the title match. Yeah. Like, it's not... And again, he told me the whole... That's not what the Dusty Cup's all about also is the title match. That's... I get that. I understand what the Dusty Cup is. It's to it's remembrance of Dusty Rhodes. I get it, but it now has the freaking the, the attachment of a tag title match. So yeah, they won the tight they won the tournament and they won the trophy in remembrance of Dusty. Yeah, but now they have a tag title match. So you took the tag title match part of it and made it completely fucking pointless. Like if you weren't gonna, if you didn't want to stick, if here's the thing, if you didn't have any belief that the creeds that they, they, you didn't think the creeds were ready for this situation, why'd you give them the dusty cup? I don't think it has to do with believing in the creeds. I think it just has to do with the fact that they don't want to pin Imperium. Ugh. They don't want to pin Imperium because they're trying to keep their status in this higher, like this higher echelon of people in nxt 2.0 but it still doesn't i brought this up last week when we talked about this mm. sometimes you have to make that decision yeah you don't always have to make a match that is one-on-one -on -one or a single fucking tag team on tag team match you don't always have to have the choice of making it a triple threat or a multi-team just mm -hmm. because you don't want to fucking pin the team. Yeah, it's... Like, sometimes you have to make that choice to pin the team. Yeah, like, like the, the Raw tag titles, I'll use this as an example, make sense right now as a triple threat. If it goes to WrestleMania as a triple threat, because it makes sense. Gable and Otis are getting their rematch... And the Street Profits pinned RK-Bro before they won the tag titles. Like, yeah. it makes sense to be a triple threat. This doesn't make sense. This is the team in MSK that lost the Dusty Cup. Not only lost the Dusty Cup, but lost last week. Yeah. Technically. Yeah. They lost to the Creeds in the Dusty Cup. And just, like, they get it inserted. Like... This is a prime example as to why people are giving MSK so much flack. It's because you don't know when to pull away. You keep them way too close to the fire every time. Like, people are shitting on MSK constantly now. Like, MSK is fucking fantastic. But you guys don't give them a reason... To, like, be in this match. There's no point in them being in this match. Just because they were substitutes for the Creeds last week... Yeah. ...doesn't mean insert them in the tag title match. There's no logical reason whatsoever that anybody could tell me to believe 
that makes me believe that MSK is in this match for no other reason that they don't want to pin Imperium. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. This match is probably going to be is going to be fantastic. A triple threat is going to be fantastic. Imperium, the Creeds, and MSK. The match is going to be fantastic. But it doesn't need to be a triple threat. MSK does not need to be in this match just because you're terrified of having Imperium take the pin. Like, come on. It, it didn't... You didn't. It didn't stop fucking you pinning Imperium any other time. Yeah, when they lost the tag titles the first time. Like, come on. Like, use your heads, people. Like WWE, you need to use your heads here. You weren't afraid to pin Imperium now, but now, like back then, but now all of a sudden because oh well, we can't have Imperium take losses. Like. You need to cool it down on MSK because that's giving them, it's giving people more of a reason to give them flack. And, like, it just sucks because you shit on the Dusty Cup. Like, yeah, it's not really what the Dusty Cup's about, but it is now. Yeah, you're, you're putting MSK into situations that they don't necessarily, they didn't necessarily deserve. Yeah. They didn't, they didn't work towards it. Yeah. Like, it's... They lost the Dusty Cup. And then you throw them into a tag match because you decide to postpone the tag match until stand and deliver. Mm -hmm. And then the match at last week's show ends in a double DQ or or I don't even know who I think I think a no contest. It was a no contest. And then you're gonna throw them into another tag team title match. Yeah, for no reason that they didn't earn it. They got inserted into the match but didn't earn the shot at all and then get inserted into this match and when they didn't deserve and they didn't earn it at all they're just inserted in here because oh we need a team because we need to protect imperium like you just said there's times when you can just like no, you don't have to do that and this is one of them like just decide that imperium's going to take the pin if you're going to give the creeds the damn titles like who honestly thinks that the Creeds and Imperium by themselves isn't going to be that good? Like, come on. Like, it, it, it just didn't make sense for it to be a triple threat. Like, as much as I love the fact that it's a triple threat, I don't like it because of the fact that MSK doesn't need to be in there. And they just don't need to, they need to cool down on MSK just a little bit. Like, not cool them down to where you don't put them on TV, like cool them down to where they're not getting inserted into title matches every freaking week. Yeah, it's getting ridiculous. It's getting out of hand. So, we get to, we had Mackenzie Mitchell backstage with Cameron Grimes. He's not happy with the idea of watching Stand and Deliver from the couch at home. He mentions still disappointing his late father and says he wants to be a part of Stand and Deliver and then walks off. So, we're Probably going to find out some way that Cameron Grimes is going to be on Stand and Deliver. Okay. So we get to the main event. L.A. Knight and Dolph Ziggler. Again, I thought this match was great. I really did. I really thought this was great. It, It's just, it, it didn't need to happen. L.A. Knight didn't earn this match. He didn't earn it, and he didn't really, and it, there was no way he was losing. If anything, the match should have happened just without the title. Yeah. Because you can't you can't feasibly tell me that L.A. Knight, with how his trajectory has gone, with him constantly losing to Grayson Waller, 
Yeah. You can't tell me that he deserves an NXT title. Yeah, no, match. I don't look at Grayson or Grayson Waller. I don't look at LA Knight and say with the constant losing cuz hell, he's even lost bigger feuds than this. Than the Grayson. He's even lost other feuds in the great like the Grayson Waller one. Like he he hasn't really won a lot. Like, I don't look at him by losing that much and going, "Hey, give him an NXT title match." Like, no. It's not how that really works yeah like this match didn't need to happen but again it was a great match but it it was the obvious Ziggler got the win and then Braun Breaker shows up at the end of the night like it's literally just telling us that we know we knew the match was going to be at stand and deliver it's going to be Dolph and it's going to be Braun Breaker and again with all the talk that I've seen of Braun Breaker saying that he's not ready to go to the main roster yet, like, there's no way in hell this man's not winning the NXT title back. Yeah. And again, though, what's the point of this? Like, it was literally to give Dolph something to do at WrestleMania, but, like, this whole thing is going to end up feeling pointless in the end if you just gave it to Dolph so he could be like, oh, you got a WrestleMania thing, here's your thing for WrestleMania week, but then you give it back to Braun Breakers. What the hell was the point of Braun losing the fucking title then? Like, his whole situation's gonna feel pointless in the end. So, NXT this week was just, it's kind of a letdown. Like, really a letdown. So, we're gonna jump to to St. Patrick's Day Slam for AEW. This, again, this was a, a, an okay show. This was okay. I, I'm i going to say this, and you could agree or disagree. Mm-hmm. A part of, like, apart from, like, one, maybe two matches on the show, this might be the most predictable AEW show that's they've, that they've done in a while, if ever. Yeah, I'm... This show was... was well, there was there was one match that didn't really that wasn't really predictable, but it was kind of predictable at the same time, and that's a TNT title match. Yeah, you you knew it was either happening either one of either yeah, two ways. Well, we'll get to that when we get there. So the only one that wasn't predictable was this starting match. Yeah the the show kicks off with the six man tag, Adam Cole and Red Dragon versus Adam Page and Jurassic Express. I like this match. This was great yeah i enjoyed this it was a great match the only thing is is it ends with adam cole getting the pin so adam cole loses at revolution but immediately just says i'm gonna get a title rematch and then pretty much gets a title rematch from winning this match yeah in he's, all he's getting a title rematch for losing so my thing is why is why does Adam Cole just... Why did Adam Cole not drop by losing? Yeah. That's my question. All these people that we've seen get title matches and then lose and then drop. Yeah, they li- they literally get one title match and then lose and then drop in the rankings. Like, I, and then don't get a title match for a while. Like, I enjoyed Paige and Cole at Revolution. I really did. But, like, if if this whole thing results in Hangman getting the win again, then this little tiny stretch leading into this rematch was kind of pointless. 
And Adam Cole winning the title, first off, why didn't he win it at Revolution? That's another situation of why didn't they win it at Revolution? Yeah. And, like, does Adam Cole really need to absorb the AEW title to tell this story of him and Red Dragon eventually being a faction again to face the elite? Like, no. I don't need to see the AEW title taken off of Hangman so Cole can hold it so they can just not focus on it because we're going to have to eventually get a six-man tag. Like, kind of a waste. Yeah. So, all in all, like, the rematch pretty much is just kind of there in the end. But again, this match was great. Like, we got the we got the double doomsday device, which I thought was, like, freaking insane. Yeah. Like, again, it's just, there's some, this situation just leaves, like, almost, it almost feels pointless in the end. Like, Cole doesn't need the title to, to have this feud with, eventually, Kenny when he comes back, and the Bucks, and... Hangman doesn't need to lose the title, but also Cole doesn't need to have this rematch because technically he should have dropped. Yeah. Like, he lost clean. Exactly. Like, it, it's it's just, it's a weird situation right now. So, but again, a, a great opener. So, in the back, we saw Team Taz. They were they told Keith Lee that if he shows up on Rampage on Friday... I'm so tired of yeah. seeing Keith Lee... In the same fucking backstage yeah. interview. Ricky Starks pretty much told him that if he showed up on Rampage on Friday, he's getting his ass kicked. Lee says the last time he hit Ricky Starks, he stayed down like a little bitch. And that was the gist of this. So, first off, why is Ricky Starks trying to hype up Ricky Rampage? Ricky Starks has already said this to Keith Lee. Yes, he said he this. He said this like four times. First off, why is he trying to hype Rampage like it's something big? I... Like, I am sorry, Rampage, I still will stick with this saying from here on out, Rampage needs to go. When ROH becomes a thing, you put it on TV and you get rid of Rampage. Don't even bother doing HBO Max, because I'm not fucking paying for HBO Max to to, to, to only watch Ring of Honor. I don't watch half the stuff on HBO. that's probably on HBO anyway. Just like I don't... This is why I still say Peacock was... As much as it was a big freaking deal that WWE moved their whole entire thing to Peacock, it was a pointless thing. Because I don't watch the shit on Peacock. Yeah. I only freaking watch it for the pay-per-views. That's why the network was, in its own right, way better. Plus, it was way better anyway than Peacock. It was better use, like, had a better interface with it. Like, you could search for shit better. I'm, like, going, oh, well, I'm trying to find the, the 2000, like, SummerSlam. Well, you gotta go to season 24, like, episode number 12. Like, fuck out of here. Like, I, I hated the Peacock thing. I, I don't want to see Ring of Honor end up on HBO Max because I'm not freaking paying for HBO Max when I can just, like, when... I'd rather see Ring of Honor be on TV. Take Rampage out when that happens. Take Dark and Dark Elevation out and just put Ring of Honor on Fridays. Right after SmackDown. Mm -hmm. 
Have that be your TNT Friday night thing, and that is it. Plain and simple. So, we got, like, a little video of Chris Statlander shown removing her face paint. So, my wild guess is, is Chris Statlander changing characters? Like, is she not going to be the alien anymore? Which is going to be weird. Like, we're so used to her booping everybody. Like, yeah, it's so bizarre. So, we go on to the next match. John Moxley, Brian Danielson versus Chuck Taylor and Wheeler Yuta. First off, why did it have to be Wheeler Yuta? Yeah. Chuck has his partner in Trent. Like, did they just decide, like, ah... Eh. Trent was like, ah, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like wrestling tonight. It's just like, I get now why they did it because of what happened at the end of this match. Again, I thought this match was good. This was really good. I am enjoying Mox and Danielson as a team. I love William Regal. I'm happy. I, I, I enjoyed the hell of him on commentary. I thought his hilarious, uh, his his uh, what's the word? His, like, what? His little quips? No. Well, what he said towards Danhausen oh, was yeah. hilarious. Yeah. He goes, what in the bloody hell is that? And, then, <laughs> and Tony Giovanni's like, oh, that's that's Danhausen. Very, very nice. Very evil. And he, he was like, he called him like a, like a... I demonic mean, waif or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Like it was pretty... Demonic like, waste or something like that. Like a waif, I think he said. But I was like... I don't even know what William Regal just said, but I like it because yeah, it, it was hilarious, and I'm I'm wondering the same thing. Can we get any sort of ex ex, ex exclamation? Ex, Jesus, explanation, not exclamation, explanation. You mean English language? Fuck that nonsense. Can we get any sort of explanation as to why Dan Housen is with best friends? Or is it just because you don't know what else to do with him, but you want to keep putting him on TV? It's probably because best friends are entertaining, so stick the the entertaining guy with the entertaining group, like... But he is so... He's not entertaining with the best friends. He hasn't really done anything, like, with them. He's just kind of there. He's so irrelevant. He's literally just there to be like, ha, look at Danhausen. It's just to, just to pop up out from under the ring and curse people, and that's it. It's literally all Dan. Watch Housen him does. run like all the NPCs and Simpsons hit and run when you kick him. <laughs> <laughs> he runs very weird. Like, he's probably like, I don't know, 30-something, but he fucking walks like he's 90. He's got like, he's like the hunchback. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought this was really good. I, I enjoyed this match. I just... I, again, I didn't get why Wheeler Yuta was involved until I saw what happened at the end, and then I understood it. Yeah. In at the end of the match, again, Mox taps out Yuta. Yuta was absolutely doing the was doing the damnedest of just trying to show how tough he was. He was taking kicks from Brian, just firing up, telling, "Come on, give me more, give me more." And then he was taking beatings from Moxley. Moxley eventually chokes him out with the bulldog choke. He then. As they're leaving, William Regal comes down to the ring and gets in there and starts just, like, celebrating with with Brian and Mox. And best friends are leaving, and Wheeler Yuta just stops and looks up at them. He looks over at Mox and Brian and then runs into the ring 
And William Regal intervenes right in his face. And he's like, he starts talking to Regal. I have no idea what he says. And then Regal slaps him in the face and he gets fired up like he was about to drop Regal. And I'm like, ah, I'm like, I remember because that's the guy, that's one of the guys that Brian said, we can take Wheeler Yuta and Daniel Garcia and Lee Moriarty and turn them into a faction and help them. Like, improve them. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, damn, Wheeler Yuta's actually possibly going to leave best friends and join this faction. Like, that's awesome. Like, Regal slapped him in the face, and then he walked away, and I'm like, I'm interested now. I'm very interested here. Like, if Wheeler Yuta ends up with them, it's going to be a good thing for him. Like, really good thing for him. I think him being with Regal, just being around Regal is enough. But then he's with... Brian Danielson, who's, in my opinion, the best wrestler today, or even yeah. just the best wrestler of all time, and then John Moxley. Like, you can't get any better than that. So if Wheeler's going to have a different, like, mentality where he's going to finally just leave best friends and get edgier, like, all for it. Yeah. All for it. And then, also to bring up the thing on commentary, uh, they asked William Regal what he was thinking when he entered the ring with Brian and Moxley at Revolution. What did he think that they were going to do? And he straight <laughs> up goes, I was expecting them to punch me in the face. I was laughing at that. I was like, damn, Regal, you actually wanted them to punch you in the face. <laughs> like, damn. So, again, really good match. After that, we had FTR in the back with Tony Schiavone. They had, talk about how they had to fire Tully. But they didn't want to. Dax was wearing a Miracle Violence Connection shirt. Suddenly, they get intervened by the the Young Bucks, which, my God, Nick Jackson's thing that he had on. Yeah, that, that weird fucking... chain from a nose piercing to an earring thing. That thing needs to die a fiery death. Yeah, he looked fucking ridiculous. Yeah, he looks absolutely like a fucking clown. Like, again, they talked about, like, the Bucks said that they need a new stylist. A new stylist mining a, instead of a new manager, like, it was, they even dropped the hint of Bret Hart, because FTR keeps talking about how they want to have Bret as their manager now, and I'm like, are we really just going to bring Bret Hart in just to be, again, just to have the Tully situation where he's just going to be the manager of FTR. Like, <laughs> come on. We can do better than that. Like, we don't even need to bring Bret Hart in. Nobody is dying to see Bret Hart right now. Yeah, really. So, again, there was a tease of these two teams going at it again. It feels like it's going to be vice versa this time because maybe FTR is going to be the face in this situation. Because the Bucks are the heels. Like, I don't know. Again, I, I enjoyed their first time they went at it. I think that they had the wrong outcome with the Bucks winning the tag titles. But they had a fantastic match. And if they're going to do it again, so be it. I'll probably sit down and enjoy every second of it again. Yeah, I don't quite understand the sudden, like, sort of face turn for FTR. Yeah, it's very It's weird. so random. It's weird. Like, they fired Tully and now all of a sudden they're like, well... Baby faces. Like, okay. Next, we had the Chris Jericho Appreciation Society commencement. 
I am not getting into this barely that much. I'm just going to talk about this a little bit and leave it at that. To to put this in like easy, in easy terms, this was bad. I just didn't give a shit. Jericho tried to get over that he was, as he called himself, a sports entertainer. The crowd absolutely shit on him. Daniel Garcia picks up the mic and says... You're trying to get yourself like to tell to hype yourself up as a sports entertainer, and then pretty much just says that he's a sports entertainer too. Talked about Hager and how apparently Hager saved Jericho's life, and then talked about the era of the sports entertainer has now begun. So, again, I will say this: there is people that talk about sports entertainment and talk about pro wrestling. Try as as as, as as trying to be trying to make it as they're two different things. They're not. They're the same thing. Pro wrestling has wrestling and it has comedy and all this other stuff. Drama. And yeah. Fucking sports everything. entertainment does the same thing. It has comedy. It has wrestling. It has drama. It has excitement. It has depression. It has everything. It's the same thing that wrestling does. If they're they're literally the same thing with a different name. I just didn't care. I don't like this pairing. I hate this pairing. It's literally... They talked about... First off, they gave 2.0 different names. And they tried to make it seem like 2.0 joining Chris Jericho is going to be a great thing. And I literally said this, the one thing that I would just immediately came to mind as soon as I said that. I was like, boy, oh boy, you're really trying to hype 2.0 up. He talked about that his best friend, Kevin... One of his former friends, Kevin, apparently was the one to say, hey, 2.0, you should, like, align yourself with them. And I'm like, that you should, that AEW should hire them and all this stuff like that. And I look at this and I just go, so, in in, in layman's terms here, 2.0 joined Chris Jericho because their careers right now suck. So, stick them with Chris Jericho, and that'll try to help them a little bit. Like, you are not going to stick somebody with... You're not going to stick them with Chris Jericho, who's still has zero reason to be here anymore. Like, none. Yeah. None. He doesn't benefit any sort of... Yeah. He doesn't improve AEW television because Chris Jericho's on it. Yeah, like... You're not going to take Jericho in the state he's in of being just absolutely not needed on television and try to get a team that's just there at this point in 2.0 and try to get say, that'll get him over to sticking him with Chris Jericho. Like, I don't even think this is going to help Daniel Garcia, of all people. Not to mention, didn't they change their names? Yeah, like I said, they gave them different names. Like, I... They're no longer Jeff Parker and Matt Lee. It's like, I don't even remember their names. It's like Jeff Angelo. Or... It was, oh God, I can't even remember what the hell it was. But again, it's just, it's not going to really make a difference. Like, there's a lot of people that are just not into 2.0 and sticking them with Chris Jericho is not really going to make it any different. And then having this whole thing being like, the whole group is just trying to like stick it to AEW and being like, oh, we're here to beat up wrestlers. 
because we're sports entertainers. Like, oh, okay. This whole thing. Everyone there are sports entertainers. This Everyone whole thing. Everyone there are wrestlers because wrestlers are sports entertainers. This was just, it was really, it was just really bad. Like, oh, AEW doesn't have sports entertainment. <laughs> AEW Dark literally had Emmy Sakura versus Shalange, whatever her name yeah. is. And they were both singing at each other. Yeah. The entire match. That's If that's not sports entertainment in a nutshell, then I don't know what is. Like, again, they talked about Daniel Garcia was in a car accident in 2019 where he broke his tibia and he needed help. But again, like, yeah, I want to see Daniel Garcia do good too. But like, Daniel Garcia still hasn't connected with us. Like, I watched Daniel Garcia, like we've, we've said it numerous times and we'll continue to say it. Daniel Garcia literally has, there's been nothing but praise for Daniel Garcia. And every time we look at Daniel Garcia, it's just not there. Yeah. Like, I do not I do not see what people see in him yet. Like, and again, it's like you said, AEW doesn't give him anything to, like, make him want to stand out like he should. Mm-hmm. And that's what sucks. And that's what's not getting me invested in anything Daniel Garcia. So, and I don't think sticking him with Chris Jericho is really going to make a difference. Yeah, no. Even 2.0. Even Jake Hager. Like, Jake Hager is an absolute slug. He's an absolute slow as shit. He's just clunky. Like, he's a fucking charisma vacuum. Like, nobody's dying to see a Jake Hager match. Still to this day, he does not fit whatsoever in AEW's retrospect. He doesn't. Like, I don't look at the two of them and go, yeah, I don't look at jake hager and say yeah he belongs he he fits perfectly in AEW. yeah he it, it's so weird to even just it only does him. it only does right now because of the whole you know dan lambert being there and all the mma guys and he's an mma guy like yeah it's the only freaking reason why he kind of fits but he doesn't really so the next was the tnt title match and this is the one we talked about that was like either way we, it was predictable. Yeah, we knew which way it was going to end up either way. Yeah. Like, so... Basically, it was just either Wardlow was winning or MJF cost him the, the match. Yeah. And, and it was the latter. Yeah. So, this match was, like, okay. Like, yeah, Scorpio... Scorpio gets the win via, of course, not uh, thanks to MJF. But, of course, we had interference early on from Dan Lambert and... Paige Van Zant and her husband right now, or whatever the hell he is. The thing I didn't... There was the, the one moment where Paige Van Zant intervened in front of Wardlow and just stood there, and Wardlow just kind of looks at her like, what are you, fucking crazy? Like, why are you standing here? The, no, the funny thing was is that she gets in front of him, and he starts, like, flexing his pecs. He's like, hey, you like what you see? <laughs> yeah, so her husband intervenes and gets in Wardlow's face, and then, like, makes out with her in front of Wardlow. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Wardlow's so intimidated by your makeout session. Yeah, Wardlow's just gonna fucking start bawling his eyes out because you're fucking making yeah, out I can't win wife. this match now because you made out with your wife in front of me. How dare how Oh, no. What like, a shame. Like, I wasn't really into this match at all. Yeah, no. It, like, it wasn't. 
It wasn't the greatest. It wasn't nothing to write home like, about. Like, Scorpio gets the win again. Yet, So now it officially cements that Scorpio's going to get a run with the TNT title. But really, is it going to be a good one? I don't think so. I don't either. It, especially since it's going to be riddled with fucking constant interference. Yeah, of Dan, of Dan Lambert, Lambert who nobody wants, who gives a shit about. Where the hell was Ethan Page? Right? Dan Lambert came out with the other TNT title. And I'm like... First off, why do we still have two titles, and why isn't Ethan Page there? Like, did he get, like, hurt or something during the whole Christian Cage thing, and he just couldn't show up again? Or, like, was he doing something else? But either way, like, I I, I don't have any faith in Scorpio Sky's title run right now. Yeah, no. Especially if it's going to be riddled with somebody like Dan Lambert, who's fucking a nuisance, and Paige Van Zant, who's god-awful... And her fucking husband, who I have zero fucking clue of who the hell he is, and I don't give a shit. Like, Ethan Page is in an absolute just slump right now where nobody gives a shit. Him and Scorpio are never were never on TV half the time to begin with, but they tried to hype them up as, like, they're an unstoppable team. Like, <laughs> please. Like, so we're now, we're now moving forward, because again, after the match... Wardlow, again, gets distracted thanks to Sean Spears, who came out at first, and then MJF threw him into the post, which gave Scorpio the easy roll-up to get the win. So now we're getting MJF, who pretty much him and Sean Spears and Scorpio and the rest of the freaking doofuses that he has with him just take out Wardlow. MJF pays off Dan Lambert, which, again, it was... a a deal, I guess, at some point. So, MJF hits him with the ring, and we're getting MJF and Wardlow. So the whole thing about that as well is like it doesn't make sense to me why MJF would be the one paying Dan Lambert. Should I mean, it be the other way around? No, he's paid. He paid Dan Lambert to pretty much do the dirty work, the little bit of dirty work. Dan Lambert didn't do anything. But Dan Lambert is technically the manager of them. so. But he didn't do anything. Technically, MJF just... literally paid Dan Lambert so MJF could interfere. Yeah, I you didn't You don't really. have to pay a man. <laughs> Dan Lambert should be paying you to interfere. <laughs> technically, nobody should be getting money because MJF did all the work anyway. You paid Scorpio. You technically paid Dan Lambert to take out Wardlow. So that way he could come out and still beat up on Wardlow. But technically, he did all the work himself. Exactly. Dan Lambert should be paying MJF. So in other words... For helping Scorpio win. So in other words... MJF paying Dan Lambert for helping Scorpio win. Yeah, it was just... It was a weird thing. Again, I have zero belief that Scorpio's title run is going to be interesting. And Wardlow and MJF is going to be a good one. Honestly. Yeah. Because now Wardlow's over like fucking... Rover. Yeah. So, good look on... So, good look on that. So, after that, we had Smart Mark Sterling wants to, wanting to know who was going to be number 30 on Jade's list. Talked about who's ready to get the kiss of doom. Just, again, we liked... We said there was nothing... There was that her and Ty Conti's match... At Revolution was actually pretty good. Yeah, it wasn't bad. 
this is again, I will say it again as I said it the last time. This is the part where Jade Cargill needs to freaking be consistent. Because every other match before this, not good. Every match before that, not good. This is where you need to stay consistent. Your next match needs to be it or else you're categorized with Britt Baker. You're inconsistent as hell. So, we got the next match, which is Matt and Jeff doing their their actual team debut together on AEW against Private Party. They talked about, first off, that this is the first time that the Hardys have faced Private Party when that is completely wrong. <laughs> they have fought each other in House of Glory. So, try again there, guys. This... Honestly, wasn't bad. Yeah, no. This it, wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. Like, it felt like private party of old. They weren't corporate shills dressed up like freaking morons. You know, they were actually dressed up like private party. They were actually doing good. Like, the Hardys weren't bad as a team together. Again, it's just... This match wasn't bad. It's obvious that the Hardys were going to win. Matt Hardy looks awful. He is so... Just, you look at him and you go, God almighty, Matt. Like, how are you still going? Like, at this point he might, I think he needs to consider, like, shaving his head. Something. His hair is starting to look like Baron Corbin's. Yeah. Like. It's so thin and he basically looks bald. (sighs) It's like, I. He's still. He he looks so rough. He dressed up like old Hardys. Like, freaking 90s Hardys. And Matt's not that hardy. He can't dress up like that and be like, hey, I'm going to be like Matt Hardy of old. No, you're not. And neither is Jeff. I can't say the same. I can't even say the same with Jeff. You guys are not the hardies of the 90s. You're not the hardies of old. You're still the, you're just the old hardies at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you still got it in you. Both once in a like Matt, you you're fifty fifty when it comes to it. Jeff, again, same thing. There's times where he looks good. There's times that he doesn't. Like, again, I think it's it's just kind of obvious where we're going with the Hardys. Like they're gonna come in here. They're gonna get through this little sides this little side quest stuff, and they're eventually gonna get the titles. It's yeah, easy. They're gonna win the tag titles, and they're gonna they're gonna have a run until they fight just, all their fucking. Yeah. Their dream matches like the Bucks and again. the Little Lucha Brothers and Again. Because I'm pretty sure Jurassic they Jurassic Express. And yeah. They're gonna face a lot of teams and then they're gonna put over a freaking Red big, Dragon. Yeah, they're gonna put over a team and that's it. Like that's yeah. gonna be the gist of a hardy run in AEW. It's pretty much my in my opinion, their final run. This is yeah. it. Then they're gonna they're gonna retire and then they're gonna sit in home right? and then they're gonna sit until and wait until next WrestleMania, and then they're going to be inducted. Probably. So, again, not a bad match. It's just, you know where this is going here. So, the Andrade family office now, because they took the H out, now it's the Andrade family office arrived. The Hardys were outnumbered. Darby and Sting came out to make the save. It's just, there you go. This is. I made the point. I brought it up to you. And I was like, even if they have the Hardys and Darby and Sting, they're still outnumbered. It's yeah. five on four still. Yeah. Butcher. Butcher, Pepper, <laughs> Andrade, Quinn, and Cassidy. Yeah. 
It's now just both Hardys, Sting, and Darby. They need one more, technically. Yeah. And technically, they'll probably need a woman if Bunny's going to get involved, too. Oh, fuck the Bunny. <laughs> and unless they're going to put Jose involved in it, too, and tell him that he's going to have to fight, because if you think about it, we're also missing somebody else who's in the faction. Is fucking Jorah Joel. <laughs> He's so fucking irrelevant. I know, he's, he's literally pointless. He's literally showed up with the group maybe two times. Yeah. He's just fucking... Might as well just remove him from the group and just say he's not even there anymore. So, we get to the main event. The AEW Women's World title in a steel cage. Britt defending against Thunder Rosa. First off, the cage itself was absolutely, like placed absolutely lopsided yeah the the side if you're sitting on the hard cam and looking towards the side the one side that one side you're looking at was way too close to the ring the other side was way too far away from the ring like so the cage was like lopsided it was not even at all and there was again there was a point in this match where we got a ref bump do we really need a ref bump in a cage? <laughs> the hell was the point of a ref bump? Like, Rebel and Jamie Hayter did not even get involved in this match. So what the hell was the point of the ref bump? Yeah. Like, first off, I another one, I don't even know what the hell... Split open Thunder Rosa. Neither do I. I have I, no fucking clue. I must have missed it, or just something just split her open like crazy. Because when Britt gets split open, like, first off, it's not that bad of her bleeding. Like, it was yeah. nowhere near her freaking bleeding in the Lights Out match. But she was bleeding. Thunder, we go to a freaking picture-in-picture, picture, and during that picture-in-picture... Picture, Thunder Rosa is absolutely a mess. And I have zero idea as to what the hell opened her up that much. But, like, in the end, we got the weird-ass ref bump that made zero sense as to why it was there. There was... This match... Uh, these two just don't have the chemistry anymore. Yeah, no. They, they really don't. don't. I need to ask a question. And if, for whatever small reason, someone within AEW is listening to this, tweet at me. At <laughs> Jeremy and Time 721. <laughs> Who the fuck supplies you with your thumbtacks? <laughs> I knew this was coming. Like, you so guys quite possibly have the worst thumbtacks I have ever seen in my entire life. They really Either do. they are the worst thumbtacks, or the competitors are too busy stepping in them for them to be fucking work. Yeah. They, for them to work. There was a thumbtack spot where... There was two thumbtack spots. I know. There was the spot where Britt takes the thumbtacks out, and she, she hit her in the head with the bag, and then dumps the tacks out. And both of them proceed to stand in them. Yeah, they're all fucking stomping at him. And then fucking Thunder Rosa goes for the pow the powerbomb again into the tax. 
Britt reverses with a backdrop. Backdrops into the, the tacks, and there's maybe, like, four tacks into Thunder Rosa's butt. Like, there was, like, they didn't even stick. Which then proceeded to get to the powerbomb spot. Yeah, they do the same powerbomb spot. I got terrified spot. because Thunder Rosa, like, almost fell over. Yeah, they do the same powerbomb spot. Powerbombs Britt Baker into the thumbtacks. Not a single fucking thumbtack sticks into Britt Baker's Yeah, there was a few, but they were all up high and they were in her gear. Which I give her gear props because I knew what her gear was. It's Scott Hall. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. That I'll give. That's the one fucking prop I feel like I've given Britt Baker in months now. Other than their match with Chris Statlander, for Christ's sake. And then not to mention, not to mention she gets powerbombed into the thumbtacks. Mm -hmm. She instantly no-sells it. Yes. Rolls out of the ring, grabs a chair, wildly swings it at Thunder Rosa's head, dinks her a little bit. Thunder Rosa no-sells that, rolls her back of the ring, hits the fire thunder bomb, and then wins. Yeah, the, the, the two of them, listen, the earlier like portions of their feud that led to the Lights Out match, their chemistry together was insanely good. Their last two matches, the one at Revolution and this one, are not good. No. They're really their their chemistry together sucks now, and I think it's because of the fact that they haven't been fucking feuding for so long. They just in they pretty much stopped it and started it again. And I'm sorry, this whole thing of Thunder losing at Revolution to have the match with Layla for her to get this match tonight. I'm sorry, this is lame. Yeah, it's it was. It was fucking pointless. Like, if I, your whole like, point was to have Thunder Rosa win her hometown, do not have Thunder Rosa even in that match at right? Revolution. Yes, that was the, the that was the point right there. You could have had a triple threat match instead of having Statlander and Layla Hirsch on the the pre show or on the on the buy in. You could add a triple threat match between Britt, Statlander, and Layla. Honestly, any opponent at this point. Even if Britt's fucking match is a throwaway. Yeah. There was no point in having Thunder go into Revolution to lose and then go, well, now what do we do? Oh, we're just going to casually insert Thunder in an easily predictable match with Layla Hirsch so we can get to the big hometown pop freaking match. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. It was lame. You tried your damnedest. To make up for the fact that you fucked up at Revolution, but you still fucked up. It doesn't really make up for it. I'm sorry. You screwed up at Revolution, and that is it. Like, you pull the trigger there. Yeah. Like, if you either that or you don't have the match. That is it. You don't have the match at Revolution. That was it. Like, you completely avoid the Thunder match until you get to St. Patrick's Day Slam. Then it would have made more sense and it would have been more meaningful with it being the one year anniversary of their Lights Out match. Not only is that, but Thunder winning the title in her hometown means more than going, hey, Thunder lost at Revolution. Uh, I think we screwed up here. Just put her in a match with Layla Hirsch. It'll be fine. No, it doesn't make up for it. And again... I am I'm I'm just in the end I'm just happy Brit's title reigns over. Yeah. I am just happy it's over because honestly, it's not been it wasn't good. 
It was not good. And I saw people on Twitter going, I think Britt Baker's title reign is going to be something that people are going to constantly talk about and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, the only thing they're going to talk about is how bad it was. Because it wasn't good. Yeah, I, it was possibly the worst title run. Like, I think some of my least... It was one of, definitely one of my least favorite title runs in AEW, period. And it wasn't even because like of the ever. fact... It wasn't even because of the fact that she's a heel and you're not supposed to like her because she's a heel. Like... No, that's not why. Her title run has been awful because her matches are awful. Like, again, she is inconsistent. And I don't want to lump Jade in that situation, but I have a bad feeling I'm going to. And that's bad. And the the other thing that really, like, it really shines through this whole thing mm-hmm. is Britt's ego. Yeah, you said it yourself. You said she does not sell. She doesn't. She does not sell. And that's a fucking issue. Because I have a feeling, I have a really bad feeling that when I look at Britt Baker, she has a Charlotte mentality. Yeah, except for she's not a, a, a daughter of someone. A prime example. Not a daughter of a wrestling. A prime legend. example to me is the whole thing of, like, if you look at their revolution match, I look at their revolution match and I say it every, and I look at it, just how Britt doesn't let Thunder barely get any offense in. And I, 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 when I saw a stupid report of like them saying that they actually have real-life backstage heat with each other, and I think it's legit, because there's no way in hell that that match, if the two of them have such had such great chemistry early on, you figured they'd still have it going into this part. Like, but they must legitimately have heat with each other. Because they did not let neither one of them in this match or the other one. Yeah. Really, like, sold a move, let anybody get any offense in for more than, like, ten seconds. Like, it, it was sort of like they just kind of wanted to get this done and over with. They are just like, let's get, get this done. We don't want to be in the ring with each other anymore. Let's just get this the fuck over with. Yeah, like, I... The match to me wasn't good. It was insanely predictable and it was a, a lame way to try to make up for the fact that they fucked up at revolution yeah like you didn't need the match at revolution if it if you wanted this big hometown pop so bad for thunder you don't have the match at revolution that's it yeah or seriously. either that or you just completely ignore the one year anniversary and just give it to her at revolution plain no, and simple i think the better thing would have done is just have Literally anybody else in that match besides Thunder Rosa at Revolution have Britt win playing the way. match for St. Patrick's Day Slam. Pretty much. Then then Thunder facing Layla would have made more sense yeah. either. And and in an end anyway. Instead of it just being obvious that it was gonna be Thunder because we have to have the hometown pop. So all in all, again, AW so far might be the mainly only good show of this week so far. I can't even really say it was good. It, it was, was just... It was eh. It was okay, watchable. Okay, it was eh. There you go. Is that better? It was a watchable show. Yeah, I'll, I'll accept that. It, it, to me, it was probably the most predictable show of the year. So are we saying that this week so far has been not that good when it comes to wrestling? It was part of my bad cop moment. I, that this I week? literally said that this week of wrestling so far has been so underwhelming. Yeah. Like, 
WWE's on a freaking stint where I feel like they're just on cruise control till they get to Mania. Like, after that, like, Raw was good for a few weeks now. Yeah, but Raw this was good one for at least, like, four weeks in a row. But this week's, with the whole, with the Scott Hall stuff took everybody out of it, and then the show itself wasn't really that good. And then, just, NXT was kind of a flop. This just had so much predictable stuff. And with how SmackDown's been recently, I have zero yeah. faith whatsoever with SmackDown Yeah, I have tomorrow. a feeling we're hitting a whole week... I have a bad feeling we're hitting a whole week of bad shows, and that's rough. Yeah. Like, to, to the people that watch Impact, that might be your only saving grace of this week. And for those for those that actually watch it, and me, because I, I, I won't even count Rampage. I don't, I don't give two shits about Rampage. I don't like it. It's it, it's an extra hour of dynamite on a different day mixed with dark and dark elevation because it's all jobber matches and yeah. just extra stuff on dynamite. Like that's they just they like, literally announced a match for dynamite tomorrow. That is you mean the, rampage? Yeah, for rampage tomorrow. That is the House of Black versus Bear Country and Fuego del Sol. Man, I wonder who's gonna win that match. Yeah, it's just. Rampage is pointless. Rampage is pointless. Dark and Dark Elevation are pointless. And this is why I say that when ROH becomes a thing, don't even bother freaking, like, discuss it with TNT and put that on your Friday slot. Like, end of discussion. Put that on your Friday slot, an hour show, two hour show, whichever one it is, and cut the freaking fat off. Cut the freaking pointless three shows that you have that are pretty much all the same. Like, Mm -hmm. but that's it. Episode 16, in the bag. We're just going to get through this quick outro because I don't know really what else to really say, so. Yeah, there's not much else to really talk about. In Time Brothers, right here. Brothers of Destruction. We don't make people rest in peace. Don't worry. Yeah, no. I I don't attach... Fucking jumper t- cables to your testicles. <laughs> I'm, you, not, I'm not gonna light a Texan on fire. Oh God, no! Let's not talk about that one. <laughs> God, I can still hear Jr's screams. Just oh God! Oh, you wanna know? oh again, Jesus! Again, it's not even. It wasn't even Jr. We know it's a stunt guy. Yeah, but still, the screams were him. still. When you watch it, when you watch it, and you don't, and you before you even sit there and go, and you find out that it's a stunt guy taking a fire stunt, you, you, you look at it and you, like, when you first see that moment, you go, Jesus, God, that's terrifying. Yeah. Like, I, I was Just Imagine stunned. getting lit on fire. Yeah, fuck that. I don't even care if Hell you're, even no. if you're a stunt guy. A fire stunt. That's not something safe. Yeah, no. So, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at JustinTime211. You can follow me on Twitter at JeremyInTime721. He'll be waiting on Twitter for AEW to tell us about the thumbtacks as to why they suck. Yeah, if, they, if they're if they actually just thumbtacks and they just keep stepping on them, tell them stop stepping on the fucking tacks. <laughs> anyway. It ruins the point of a thumbtack spot. <laughs> yeah, let's put thumbtacks down so none of them stick in the back. <laughs> Let me just stomp on all the thumbtacks so all the points could be fucking... Bent and have them are in the mat. Anyway, don't forget, don't forget, we had to have Aubrey in that match too. Oh was, yeah, and she's whew. she's all fucking leaning in the fucking tax. She had to and count shit. in the tax. So, anyway, we 
are out of here.